Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on. Y'all got to be doing better than that. Come on now. You know, these last few weeks we've been uh, doing a series, and I've really enjoyed the series Jesus Is. And uh, this morning, you know, I've just really enjoyed it. I I hope you have. Have you enjoyed this series? And, uh, you know, we all have perceptions many times of uh, Jesus, and it's really many times different what the Bible says. So the way I look at it, and I I really feel that, you know, the problem is if you have a view of Jesus that's incorrect, then your relationship with him is going to be a little distorted. How many of you I'm talking about? And so, you know, we're trying to set the record straight this morning, and what we're trying to do is go through with me, uh, and, and I want you to go through with me with your uh, message notes. But we've been looking at the scripture at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover uh, something that I haven't really preached on, I don't think, ever at our church. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, and I'm going to talk about Jesus is coming again. How many of you know he's coming again? And so this morning, I just want to go ahead and at our text at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. I'm reading from the message. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches or the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. Today we're going to look at Jesus coming back again. And one of the incredible things, the reason why many times, you know, we have this one subject that, you know, that, 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 that's mentioned in the Bible. And, and the crazy thing about this one subject, there's 27 books in the New Testament, and it talks about Jesus is coming back again in 23 of the books. And not only that it says that, but there's over 300 verses in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus coming again. And so I'll just give you a, I'll give you a few this morning, and I've got some extras that aren't in your notes. But there's, there's lots of scriptures about Jesus is coming back and what we should expect and how we should live our lives. And so, you know, if you've ever had people talk to you about the end times or many times maybe the book of Revelations, you get mixed emotions. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of my background. I grew up, and my grandmother was a charismatic Christian. And, man, let me tell you something. She taught, took me to some nice meetings. I mean, some, some were kind of out there and some were there. But I remember when they would talk about Jesus coming back, they had books about the, the Mark of the Beast, Gog and Magog, and, you know, and then they, they, they talked about um, the, uh, the tribulation that people go through, and then they talk about the mark of the beast. And, and I remember they were talking about the mark of the beast and, you know, what the numbers were, 666. And I was so afraid, even if I got a pin mark on my hand, I thought the Lord would not take me because I had a mark. You know what I mean? I mean, I would sit in the back and just go, oh, I, I would just, and then like, book of revelations, it was scary. Don't talk to me about that. Talk to me about something else. You know, they, they were just, you know, the, my personal experiences. You ever walk in your house and everybody's gone and you have this, like, oh, my God. The rapture took place. The razor blade still on in the valley. Ah! Mom! I literally had a few of my sons thought that was going to happen. But I just remember those experiences and I just really didn't have an understanding what it was. And some people don't want to talk about it at all. 
And in my generation, we had movies, you know, they had stuff where it talks about the last days, just scary stuff. And, and, and so it would just scare the living daylights out of you. And, and you know, and it's like, I know that sometimes it's been, um, it's just been presented this scary and weird about Jesus is coming back. I'm you know, talking about. And so this morning, I want to bring you in an angle, a topic that hopefully it'll be very encouraging and it'll be very refreshing to every one of us in here. Amen. And, and so my first thoughts about the second coming of, of God, it, it, it didn't really happen. You know, I just really, can I be honest? I didn't really didn't want it to happen. I, I really, wh- what do you mean by pastor? I had a view of heaven that, that, that you were in perpetual choir. You know what I mean? Holy, holy, holy. You know, I was singing my old Methodist hymnals. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's like, and I remember, that's how I thought, that's how I thought it was. And I thought if he came back, that God would come back on my wedding day. I just knew that the second return of the Lord, I'm serious when I say this. I just knew he was coming back when my wife, when Tracy was walking up the aisle, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, they would get the trumpet and go, doo, 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 and I go, no, Lord, one more day. I'm serious. I believe by the time you hear the rest of this message, you're going to be ready for his return. What do you say about that? And so let let me just set the record straight. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth in human form. He was God in flesh. And not only that, he lived his life. In the last three years of his life, he talked about love. He talked about truth. He talked about what God was doing. He said, I didn't, if you see me, you see the Father. Not only that, he went to the cross. And I love, he went to the cross for my past sins and even for my future sins. He went to the cross, and not only did he go to the cross, the cool thing is, you know, he, he, took, he satisfied God's wrath against all of us by his shedding of his blood. We know that, he, that you know, not only that, that he absorbed my sin and your sin and your shame and my shame. He did that, my guilt. He absorbed that on the cross. Aren't you excited about that? That he did that for you? And then we know that when he died, he went down for three days in the pit of hell. But we know this, hell couldn't keep him. Hell, death, and the grave could not keep Jesus. And we know this, that he burst out of the tomb. And he overcame hell and death and the grave for us. You know, I love also that he reconciled us back to God. And then he came, and the Bible says that he came for 40 days. I mean, he passed through walls. You know, Casper, you know I mean? Just woo, go through the walls and people go, wow. And he, he shared with people. He talked about, you know, he talked with his disciples. He gave them a final commandment. And, and not only that, that, he said, you know what, this is where we catch the great ascension in Acts chapter 1. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the great ascension. And what happened is his final instructions. How I many you know if he's got final instructions, it might be good to read them. And here it is in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He says, after he said this, now this, this in your notes, I think you underline, you need to underline that. It, it, it's what he's saying this is the final instructions. That's what it means, this. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were intently looking up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white 
stood beside him. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, look what it says, will come back. And he said, in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So in other words, he left in body and he will return in bodily form. He left in the clouds and he'll return in the clouds. So the bottom line, look at me, Jesus is coming again. And see, you know, when you look at it, see, I, I read a poll, CNN poll said this, that one third of Americans are watching the Middle East right now. They want to know what the news is. They're thinking about that it could relate to when Jesus is coming back. How many of you kind of wondered those things in the Middle East? All the things that are going on and stuff. Well, you know, but here it says 62%, another poll says 62% of Americans believe in a literal return of Jesus. But only 40 of them follow, 40% follow Jesus. I want to know what the other 22% are thinking about. Where are they at? What's going on? So the, I, this morning, I want to talk to you three things that are going to happen upon his return. Here it is. Number one is, listen to me, he will come back unexpectedly. How many believe that? And you see, everybody wants to know when Jesus is coming back. How many want to know? There are people that, I mean, 1984, remember 2000, remember the year 2000? Everybody thought, you know, the computers are going to crash, things are going to be, God's coming back. You know, 1967 when Israel and Egypt in 71, when they went to war, people go, this is it, Magog, Armageddon. Ah! And so what he, everybody wants to know when he's coming back. So let me just show you what Jesus said. He gave us instructions when he's coming back. In Matthew chapter 24, and it says this, As Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of the coming of the ends of the age? Jesus doesn't even know. He's waiting for the Father. Let me tell you something. His horse is mounted. It's waiting for him to get on the horse and ride and come back. All he's waiting for is the word. How many of you have ever had a place, a moment in your life where you were just waiting for the word to do something? Like from your dad or your, from your mom? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, yesterday it was funny. We went to uh, David and Bethany's. They had a, a housewarming thing. And, and, um, and, and Luke was in there and we, he was dressed up and everything. And the first thing we do, you know, we're going in there and he sees a table filled with food. And, you know, when you teach your kids, you don't just go grab, you know, when you, come on. He was waiting for the word. Dad, just let me go. But before we could turn around, I mean, it was something in. He couldn't hold back. He went and got the, one of the biggest chocolate balls, you know, those peanut butter chocolate balls that his mama makes. He just grabbed it. And, I, I mean, when he grabbed it, you don't want to go put it back on the table. And I said, son, what are you doing? Oh, they got a table. I said, son, you don't pick up things like that. Go around the corner and eat that thing quickly. <laughs> sometimes you wait for the word. Sometimes you take things and you just go, give me the word now. Just as women, just as a woman has child pains, 
there are clear signs all around us in our world that there's pains. There's just there's the pains and birthing pains. There's that entire chapter of, of Matthew 24 talks about his return. I'd, I'd encourage you to go invest in, investigate in chapter 24 of Matthew. It talks about different things. If you read these signs, all of them are fulfilled in Matthew 24. In many of the other verses, all of them are fulfilled. We're, all, we're, we're in a generation that we can see the return of Christ. You believe that? I, I remember hearing it as a kid. He can come back any day. And I'd like, you know, I'd have achievements that I wanted to fill. Well, he, as long as it's after this, as long as it's like, Lord, you can come back. Come on. How many believe he's coming back? And it's, you know, if you say, well, every generation, you know, that, but that's not true, Pastor Bob. I've heard all this for generations. I've heard things. That there are a couple of signs that you could never have been fulfilled in many generations before. But I want to talk to you. God said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. How many of you know that's been happening for generations? He also said there'll be earthquakes and diseases. And, you know, that means that's happening. That's happening in every generation. There is a verse in the same text that says Jesus will not return until the gospel has been preached to all nations. How many of you have heard that verse? In other words, it's the word ethos, which means people groups you know that there's over 200 countries and there's even in, in countries there are different people groups how I mean, you know south louisiana is different than north louisiana how you know we're different than oklahoma even though we love oklahoma we have a college students going back to oklahoma today but when we play them in football we're a different people group how I mean, you know i'm talking about i mean you can be you you know and i mean and it's like you know, have you ever watched that show, uh, States and How They Got Their Shapes? I love that show. It talks about different people groups and how. But in our country and in, in the world, there's over 2,000 different people groups. Over 2,000. You can go to a country and there's different people groups within that country. And, and, and what we are the first generation that has been able to communicate the gospel to every people group in the world. Do you realize that? We live in a generation filled with technology. I mean, they got apps for everything. If you want to learn to pick your nose, there's an app to learn to pick your nose. Except, you know, I just, you know, whatever. There are apps. I mean, if you want prayer, they have prayer apps. If you want things or, you know, just stuff, you want to find out stuff, there's an app for whatever kind of stuff you want. Google, you can Google it. I, I mean, there's times I didn't know nothing about, I mean, now I catch myself when I have my phone and I, I could be reading something and I look it up. What does that mean? I never, and then I, you start reading. How many of you are talking about? Then you, after you read that, it says something about, and you kind of, you get caught up. You get lost in technology. And when I say get lost, I really get lost because I have to get my son or my wife to say, okay, well, how do I get, this? how do I? My wife asked, how do you send this the other night? And I go, I don't know. Call Zach. <laughs> and she, and she's kind of like, Oh, I figured it out. I don't need to call. And, you know, so we live in a, a, a generation. The gospel is being preached everywhere. You know, you can pull out your phone and you can go to Bible college on your phone. You can get your, every book I have in my library, library and more I can get on my phone. It's amazing. And so Matthew chapter 24 it says that 
people will be distracted. How many of you know we're all going to be distracted? That's why he's going to come unexpectedly. In Matthew 24, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a, a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Listen to what it says. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. First Thessalonians says, you will, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You know, a, there's, there's a scale that they have, and it's, like, it's kind of cool. And it, you can see when, as Christianity has gone and it's expanded, it's kind of just done like this over the years, kind of slowly going up. But if you look in the last 10 years, of salvations, it's like a spike. It's like a straight line, a, sh- a spike going up. You know that that it. You know that there's a curve, and it w- and it's like there's having an exponential rate of people coming to know the Lord. In fact, in China, every day there's thirty five thousand people in China that are giving their life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And we go, wow, that's that's incredible. But pastor. That's great that we see all that, but man, hasn't wickedness gotten worse? If we're seeing salvations like that, then we see wickedness getting worse. How many feel like wickedness has gotten worse in our generation? Those are the signs of birth pains. Do you hear me? It seems like, wow, things are getting better here, but things are getting worse. The bottom's falling out over here. How many know you can't, all you got to do is look around and you can see wickedness all around you. You can't watch TV without going, hey, Jesus, God, what? You know what I'm saying? You see, what he's saying is some of you may be saying, I'm, I'm just pastor. Believe this. I believe this is a birth pains, and it's coming is going to be unexpected, and when you least expect it. The second thing that I want to show you is that he will come to get his church. How many of you know he's coming to get us? I haven't talked much on this subject, and I just hope you can apologize for that. Will you forgive me? Because sometimes I'm just like, it's been goofy. And I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to say, hey, let's see what the scripture says, and let's let the Lord draw us to have an expectation and desire that he would come back for us. You know, the real reason for Jesus' return it's not to get is it's to get you. I mean, he's not mad at you. He didn't have a dis, bad disposition. That's it. That's it. I'm coming back. Sick of this. He's coming back because he wants you. Look at your neighbor and say he wants you. Look at the other neighbor you didn't think he wanted and tell him you too. The main, Jesus' main motivation, he's coming back to be with you. Luke 14 says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that will, that's always, says, I'm all, where, the cool thing is so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus is coming not because he's fed up with the planet, but because he wants to be with you. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that, doesn't that just encourage you that God wants to be with you? Jesus longs to be with us. This is how it's going to be played out. And here's a, here's a scripture in Thessalonians. For the Lord himself. See, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, okay? For the Lord himself, himself, 
himself, you underline that, himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first that after that we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will be with the Lord forever. Everybody that you love that has died is going to be there and he's going to collect them before he comes to get you. That means my grandmother go, let's go get the boy. That means my daddy's going to be there. That means there's going to be people there that prayed for me. There's going to be my friend, Miss Chris Barton, my, my grandmother's one of her best friends. They were prayer partners. And first day I got saved, she brought me to my grandmother. It was like I was like a trophy. She goes, I got it. And she, she knocks on the door, and Chris, I'd never met her. And she, and she goes, this is him because they've been praying for me. This is the boy. That was my nickname, boy. This is the boy. And she just starts, thank you, Lord. And she says, thank you, Jesus. And she laid hands on me. Thank you, you answer prayer. Thank you. Those are the people that come in. That gets me excited. I'm going to see people, some of my friends that have gone on to be with the Lord, that I'm going to see them. I'm going to be with them for the rest of my life. Isn't that cool? You see, this is the most comforting thought I've ever had. Jesus is going to take us back to heaven with him. You see, Jesus is going to establish a new, a new heaven and a new earth, what he, what he intended before the fall of man. Most of us think we're going to just sit there on our knees and worship the Lord. and You know what I mean? We will do that. But I believe this is that not only will we do that, and we're not going to be just playing the harp, but if that's what you like, you can keep thinking that way. You can ask for another day, but I don't want another day. When he comes, I want to go be with him. Jesus is going to sit on the throne as president and as king. Come on. Can you know what that means? There's no more politics. Come on. No more politicians. And we need those guys every once in a while. But we don't have that anymore. Can you imagine that? Won't that be great? No more crying. No more pain. Some of you live in chronic pain. Some of you have chronic things that doctors can't fix. And one day you're going to be with him and there's no more pain. No more hospital visits. Praise God. No more drawing the blood because we've been covered by the blood. No more funerals or death. No more medicine. Come on, at least I'll get no more insurance. No more taxes. Come on, y'all. I knew I'd get y'all excited. No more traffic. Praise God. No more counseling. Praise God. <laughs> no more rain. Because rain's of the curse. You know that? Isn't it rain from the curse? And God had, had wells, and I don't want to get off on that. I could, but it's cool. God had a whole system set up. No more humidity. And women, no more bad hair days, baby. Beautiful days, every day. 
We'll be with him. The hot light at Krispy Kreme, always on. That means they're hot and they're fresh. If you've been to Krispy Kreme, you know what I'm talking about. It's always on. No more calories. Praise the Lord. Man, if that doesn't make you want Jesus to return, I don't know what will. If you think you will live in that choir forever, listen, you can have your day, but I want to be with him. And see, the scripture says in Matthew, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. It means he's going to have everything back like he intended it to be. And the last thing is on this is that I really didn't want to put this because I really didn't like it because I know kind of where we are as a generation but I had to be a good pastor, so I had to put it, okay? He will come to judge the earth. We live in a generation that just doesn't like to be judged. Are you judging me? Are you, what are you, are you judging me? You know, the Bible says, do not judge. How do you know we live in a generation that hates judgment? You know, how many of you know that you ain't perfect and the one that is coming back is the only one that was perfect and his name is Jesus so he can judge? And the scripture says this, the extra verse in Revelations, it says, And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth, the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead. And all who judged according to their deeds. Can I just say something? Judgment is coming. Because Jesus is just. Justice will be heard. Justice will be will happen. Trouble will be settled. If you've been robbed, if you've been taken advantage of, if someone's done something to you, the Bible says, I will return. It's not for you to do it. That says that's what God says. Justice is going to happen in your lives. Thessalonians says this God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who troubled, uh, who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord, from the, from, from the majesty of his power in the day to come. Let me just say this. The Bible says don't pay back evil. Your king is going to take care of all that for you. He is. Pastor, that's pretty harsh. Really not harsh. Really not. The only reason Jesus has not returned is because he's patient. And he's wanting all to come to him. How many believe that? He's patient. Aren't you glad he's patient with you? 
let's, let, you know, there is going to be a book. There's the three, there's the three, uh, the three B's of the, Bi- uh, of the Bible. There's the, the book of life where your name's going to be written in. There's the bag that represents where all your sins are thrown in that bag and it's thrown from the east into the west. And then there's the bottle. What is that, Pastor? It's for every tear that's cried because every person in Israel in the old days, they would have tear bottles. And when they would cry, it would be sad or joy. They would cry into that bottle. And when they would come in the presence of the Lord, they would open that bottle and pour it out and say, Lord, you know all my tears. You know all my sorrows. You know all my joys. God knows. God knows your tears. God knows your sorrows. God knows that you feel like you haven't been justified. You know what? People who will end up in hell They just wanted to be the ones that did their own thing and go their own way. God never created hell for you and me. He created that for the devil and the fallen angels. You see, people who would end up there were the ones who wanted to go their own way. They wanted to do their own thing. Hell is a literal, constant, tormenting place that was never intended for you or for me. If you reject Christ, if you reject him and his word, justice and judgment is coming your way. And I desperately don't want that to happen to you. Can I say that? I don't want that to happen to anybody here. I don't want that to happen to my worst enemy. I don't really don't want that. How many are you talking about? And so, Pastor, if we don't want that. Then, then you know, there, but also, let me just say, there's also just justice and judgment coming to all of us. You know, there's another judgment. You know, that your sins will never be mentioned. That's for the saints. That's for the Christians. Our sins won't be mentioned because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus. Are y'all with me? Even though we've been covered by the blood, your sins have been forgiven. They're thrown as far as the east is from the west. You will go to heaven based on, not on your works, but on his works for you. On Christ's work. Christians will stand before the Lord A second kind of judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to he's going to reward Christians based on what how you lived here on earth. How you lived here on earth. See, I beg you, if you don't know the Lord, understand this. Let me just say this. He's paid the price. In other words, he's paid your bill. He's paid the bill so you don't have to receive judgment. I've heard people, I've even prayed with one guy one time. As I prayed for him and said, would you like to know the Lord? And I can pray with you. And he said, I'll take my chances. I hope when I left that sometime in that moment, let me, let me just say this, that somehow he cried out to God. I hope that. Because if he didn't, he's splitting hell wide open. I did it my way. Come on. Don't worry, I'm not sending out Pastor Bubba's 10 favorite hits or anything that I don't sell on the back. I encourage you to receive the Lord, what he's done for you, what he's done. Judgment is coming. And see, Isaiah 55 says this. Here's the extra verse. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Because there will be a day that won't be an option. Are you with me? Call on him while he was near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong 
Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Okay. Since he's coming back, Pastor Bubba, what do we do with all this? I'm glad y'all are asking good questions. What do we do this? Let me just wrap this up. What do we do with this, Pastor Bubba? I've never used this verse, but I want to give it to you this morning. 2 Timothy 4.1. And the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of this appearing of the kingdom, I give you a charge. So that's saying, this is the, he says, things that you need to do. So can I just give you a charge from Pastor Bubba? Pastor Bubba, what do I need to do? Here's my charge to you. The first thing is we need to learn to reach people. What do you need, Pastor Bubba? If all that we have talked about instead is, you know, Jesus is coming soon, then we've got to do something. Amen? If he's coming back, we've got to do, let's do everything we can and everything that he can do for our sins. You know, I, yesterday I was, I was in another church, and it was kind of cool. And I was talking to one of the guys who goes to the church, and he said, you know, we were, taught, we were telling jokes, clean jokes, just good, clean Cajun jokes. That's kind of Boudreaux, Como, and Thibodeau. But anyway, don't worry about it. Another day. And we were just talking. He says, you know, he's talking about the, this church. And he says, you know, one time we owed $344,000 on all this complex right here and stuff. He said, but you know what? A lady died. And she paid for the whole building. And not only that, we paid all the debt off the church, and they and we put money in the bank. Because can I tell you something? She wasn't living for today. She was living for eternity. It's not just putting your money in the church and saying, hey, let's get to work. Let's be able to do the things that God has called us to do. In other words, there, this is never easy to do. How many of you know it's not ever easy to do to share with someone about the Lord sometimes? How, sometimes it can be expensive. Sometimes, you know, not, you know what? Not only can it be you know, expensive, but it's hard and it's a lot of work. This is not... This is, not about, this is not about us, what we do. We sacrifice and serve this city because it's all about reaching people that don't know Jesus in this city. Luke says, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Our Savior's church is going to make it hard for people in this city, in this region, to go to hell. Can we do that? Can we make it hard for people in this region, this city, this area, make it hard for them to go to hell? Then we got to be reaching people. The second thing is we got to stay focused on eternity. It's all about eternity. You know, we live in one of the best countries in all the earth. I don't care what you think. I read a story about these people that said, we're tired of paying taxes, we're tired of abortion, we're tired. So they went on the boat to go to this island between Hawaii and Australia, and they got their whole family with two kids and their father-in-law, and they were 91 days on the sea, and they got lost. But the one thing, they were Christians, the lady goes, I, she goes, I just knew God was going to work a miracle. And I go, well, I'm glad he did, Shay, because it would have been a cage, and he would say, man, what are you doing, Kuyon? You didn't have a plan? 
I want to, I just want to say our worst day for many people in other parts of the world, you know what? The worst day that you and I have could be their best day that they've ever had. My hope is not in a better earth. My hope is in a better heaven. Titus says this. Are y'all with me? Y'all still love me? All right. Titus, while we look forward with hope, I like that. Say it with me. With hope. Say it with hope. To that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. I want you to, to be full of hope. You may have came in here and your hope is down, but I want you to leave here full of hope for what God can do. I used to go to schools and, you know, I said, well, look, I, I see these grandmas. say, look, I used to be a dope head, but now I want, you, I want to be a hope head. Give you hope in your head. What God can do. And so I just for those who are going through hell on earth, our ultimate hope is, retur- is the returning of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he comes for us. And Second Corinthians says this. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen. You know, when I go with my grandmother sometimes, and we'd sing some songs, but how many of you remember that song, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Come on. Y'all with me? You remember that song? I used to hate that. Maybe if they're singing, you know, going. You know what I'm talking about? I used to hate that. I used to sit in the back row, backsliders row. And my brother and I would sit in the back. We'd sit in the back, and we'd just kind of do this. And people would pass by us, and, you know, they'd have some ladies that believed in prayer. They'd go, ooh, no, touch them, Jesus. Hell, boys, pray to God. Pray, deliver. They'd do those little secret prayers, you know. they just go, what about that? You know, save them, help them, you know, that, you know, one of those. Here we come. Man, I'd see some people, you know, it's like, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. And then when we see Jesus, come on, y'all help me out. Y'all know it? We'll be, we'll be shouting and singing, remember, the victory. You know what I think about that? Those old saints, they didn't have their eyes on what they were going through. They had their eyes on Jesus, fixed on him. Let me ask you something. Where are your eyes fixed? You're a single guy here. Boy, they got that cute girl sitting over there. Maybe I can talk to her after service. Get a little tingle. Well, I heard they got this at that church. I got they give you a free cup. <laughs> if you're a visitor. They turn the lights way down like a lounge when you get in. Wow. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. One day, 
I've had the privilege of being with saints that knew the Lord. And when they when they left this earth. On their deathbed, it wasn't pain. Maybe there might have been physical pain. But they left this earth. And when they left this earth, they opened their eyes to another world. And in that world, I just believe this. I see it like the wind blowing. Jesus and his hair is kind of just his beard. No, I see, I'm serious. And he's just going to look at me and go, Bubba. And I'm going to go, that's the voice. I know that voice. That's the voice that carried me. That's the voice that encouraged me. That's the voice that helped me. I heard the voice, but now I get to match the voice with the face. And I worship him. He would be the same. Because the Bible says he comes in a still, small voice. And the last thing. Is this, we need to reach people. We need to stay focused on eternity. And let me just wrap this up. This is it. We need to be ready. Say it, we say, be ready. I just don't want you to miss it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to miss it. Peter says it like this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a war. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? That's the great question. What kind of people should we be? This is what it says. Here it is. Here's the answer. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord and it's and speed. And listen, and speed it's coming. How should we live? Holy, righteous, means we learn to make right choices. You know, this is a serious moment, and can I just ask you to bow your head? I'm going to do this. Because I know that for some, in these next couple minutes, it may be people's eternal destinies are going to be altered. Are you ready to pray with me this morning to make this I'm not going to ask you to come forward but I am going to ask you to pray right where you're at at your seat and it takes a person who wants to receive what Jesus did on the cross by putting their faith in him and your trust in him and what he's done it's a surrender in other words who's going to control your life you or him that means you give control of your life to him. Maybe you've done, maybe you've done this before. But you're not where you need to be. You're not where you should be. The Bible says we've all gone astray. That's what the Bible says. We've all gone astray. But could you pray this prayer? Just your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Say, Pastor no one looking. I, I really need to pray this prayer because I'm not where I need to be. Would you just raise your hand real quick? So I'm going to pray this prayer all over. Anyone else? Come on. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you in the back. You can put it down. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Thank you. Thank you. People all over this room. 
pray this prayer under your breath. Just pray this prayer right now to the Lord. Just, just very softly, just say to him, say, Lord, forgive me. I've been doing my own thing. Thank you that you came to this earth. That you died for me. That you took my shame and my guilt. My sin. You said if I look to you by faith, that you would forgive me and wash me clean from all my sins. Lord, I ask you to do that. I'm not worthy to receive that, but I'm asking you. I want to be part of your family. I want to be prepared. I want to be ready for your return. Wash me with your blood. Forgive me of my stained and bruised life. Come into my heart. Be my king. Guide me and lead me from this day forward. I ask it all.